This week's podcast is brought to you by the Beefy Boys. Just three cool dudes hanging out, talking about sports, video games, music, and whatever else they feel like. <clears throat> find them at their website, www.beefyboys.com. Also, we you find your other podcasts, iTunes, Podbean, YouTube, you know, all the regulars. The Beefy Boys, the best show on planet Earth. Hi, I'm Renee. And I'm Jess. And we're the Deerfoot Sisters. Sorry to interrupt, but we have some breaking news. We wanted to let you know that right now you're actually only listening to the second best podcast on planet Earth. That's right. If you want to check out the world's best podcast, search Deerfeet on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, you know, all the regulars. Deerfeet's a podcast featuring two sisters talking about life and all the kooky things it brings, like rhymes. So when you're done listening to this episode, be sure to check out Deerfeet. Or you can just do it right now. Thanks! What's up, folks, and welcome back to Christian Sports Bar. It's been a couple of weeks since our last episode and since the last time we were able to talk football with you guys. But... Um, I'm back here joined with my lovely girlfriend, Haley, and we're going to be here to talk about uh, some Huskies football, Seahawks football, and then noticeable uh, football performances through week one in the NFL. Uh, we had a pretty interesting week two for college football, especially on, on our end of things, with the Cal-Washington uh, divisional rivalry being... <laughs> Pardon the noise. Benji's just drinking water. <laughs> Fucking big-ass dog. Um, <laughs> like I said before, buy some merchandise so that the beefy boys can get a studio space. Anyway, um, so our interesting scenario that happened on Saturday. So Cal obviously being kind of one of the weaker teams in the Pac-12 Definitely last season when the Huskies were where they were, they definitely shouldn't have fucked around and lost that game. But, of course, they lost that game due to a stupid pick six. And, you know, it, it was just sloppy. It just I don't know what it is about Cal, but UW kind of just plays them sloppy. Even when they have beat them before, like there's been some sloppy wins. But, of course, when John Ross and Dante Pettis – were and Jake Browning was in his prime, they fucking blew past Cal. So it was no big deal. But, you know, Cal beating UW at home last year in California was huge. And so this week or this year we had Cal come to Seattle in week two. So so to start things off, the one thing that fucking bothers me the most about Pac twelve is seven thirty kickoff. I think that 7.30 kickoff is just kind of like, it's a, it's a fucking nuisance in my book. <laughs> I mean, it's fucking dumb. I mean, how long do we, I mean, you can only spend so much time in a parking lot, like getting fucked up. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. it was fun through the times that we were there, but we had to, you know, we had to walk and, and do all that shit. And it was, the rain was starting yeah. to form. And it's just like I said, you know, you can only do so much in those tailgates and you can only drink so much before you go into the stadium. So it's like 7.30 kickoffs are just kind of, I mean, in my book, they're fucking retarded. I don't think that they should be 7.30, especially if there's Huskies fans on the East Coast, which I know that there is, obviously. But 
having them watch the game kick off at 10.30 is pretty insane, especially because we actually had to watch the game re-kick off at 10.30. (laughs) So we went to the tailgates, and that was a lot of fun. We slammed some fucking beers, Mm -hmm. and we were getting ready for some grade A Pac-12 football, especially with this rivalry being renewed. Everybody was kind of excited for it. I had just bought a discounted jersey because I'm a cheap fuck, and... (laughs) I, I'm like I'm feeling good. It was a deal or it, it was, was a, deal, a deal. It was a fucking so. deal. Shout out to uh, TJ Maxx downtown Seattle. That's fucking legit. And so we had a so we had a you know a decent group, good sized group to to slam beers before we even left the house. We're drinking like out of a shitty pint of Jim Beam that cost me a dollar, and um, we're feeling good. The attitude was right. the The rain was starting to come in, so. It, you know, yeah. everybody was kind of expecting Cal to struggle with that, which was going to be a huge factor. If it actually started raining during the game and not happen, and not having what happened actually yeah. happened, I think UW would have won that game just because of the noise and the weather. It yeah. would have impacted that offense big time. They would have started off hot in the first three or four drives, and then they would have ended up declining and, doing, and, and making big mistakes. But uh, so, yeah. So yeah, we go into the stadium, yeah. we head up to the beer garden, which at Husky Stadium is really cool, mm-hmm. a little cool area, and I gotta say it, you know, the crowd this year is fucking nuts, and that's, you know, comparing to last year when I went to, when I went to Husky Stadium, the crowd just kind of wasn't there, and I was actually surprised for a 7.30 kickoff, I actually couldn't believe how much noise at this place, like how loud it fucking was on a 7.30 on Saturday, and how big the crowd was. I mean, granted, it's a Pac-12 divisional opening at home, and the Huskies did blow out the Eagles the week before here at home, but that's not really a, mm-hmm. a – that's not like a prize game, you know. And so I was actually – you know, I was decently surprised at how many people were there and, like, how awesome the atmosphere felt. And then it then the rain started. Yeah, we, we all I bought beers and we, we went back to, to watch the game. And as we watch the fucking game, the rain starts falling down. And within five minutes from kickoff, yeah. the Huskies were getting ready to drive down the field again. And all the players got rushed into the locker room. <laughs> so when they all got rushed into the locker room, we were just kind of like chilling. Yeah, we, you know, we were chilling. Everybody was not expecting this rain delay to be. Yeah. I mean, we all thought it was going to be most likely a half hour at most just because if there's a little bit of lightning, they have to delay the game by the last lightning that was, you know, in an eight-mile radius of the stadium. So we were just like, ah, it's going to be a fucking – it's going to be like a half hour. Nobody's freaking out. (laughs) And so, you know, you went downstairs. Yeah. You went downstairs, and it was like a fucking (laughs) – panic yeah like everybody was panicking it was nuts and then more lightning came up while i was up in the beer garden and we got fucking rushed we got rushed out of the beer garden like mm. instantly and so we all go down and join the chaos down below and there's a really cool video i shared um i believe i shared it on the twitter but it was of of everybody at the main gate chanting and i was talking about how the pac-12 should go fuck themselves with 7.30 kickoffs because yeah. they, they knew about 
the severe weather coming into the game and they could have changed it to yeah. they could have changed it to a fucking 430 kickoff but you know Pac-12 being Pac-12 they didn't do it so we got fucking rained out and then we went into uh the basketball stadium there right next to the right next to the field and we're waiting in there and so Haley you looked it up and it was oh you know it's going to be 3 hours until they officially cancel, cancel the game it, yeah. And so, so then we we end up walking, like I, I don't know, I'd say like a, a mile and a half. No, that was like half a mile. I don't think so. That no, no like fucking way. That's a half a mile. Yeah, that was. A, I feel like that was half a mile. Half a mile, my ass. That was a long <laughs> fucking walk, and it's a long walk because we're walking through pouring rain and lightning rain, yeah. and right above our fucking head. So it's like, eh, we're gonna it was do cool, that. Was so cool. we we got back home. And right when we got back home, we kind of noticed that the lightning was going in distance. It was going further and further away. And then we noticed that the rain just completely stopped. And so it's like, fuck. It's like, are they going to resume this game? It's already been two hours. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the hell is going to happen. It was like 10 o'clock. And then uh, Coach Peterson runs out on the field and says, you know, call your friends. Call everybody because, you know, the game is back on. And so that kind of got the crowd hyped up. And, you know, so Haley and I jumped in a lift, and we headed right back to the stadium. Yeah. We, were, we were right back in the stadium probably like an hour after we left. We were able to change our fucking soaking wet clothes. And so it was nice to actually come home, change, and then go back to the stadium right when the first quarter was kicking off, which was it's pretty sweet. You yeah. know, but 10.30, it's 10.30 kickoff. And I think one of the biggest reasons why I decided to go back was because it's not too late for football because anybody on the East Coast had to start that game at 10.30. So I'm like, why can't I do it here if they have to do it every time they kick off this fucking late? So let's, uh, let's talk about the game. You know, we talked about our experience. The experience was fun, sitting down there in the front row and... Mm-hmm. Hooting and hollering. The crowd was loud too. Yeah. Like even when we got back, the stadium still, wasn't full yeah. and it was still fucking a lot of loud. Still there, yeah. It was loud and it was it was really cool to see so many fans go back to the stadium after the game had been delayed for two and a half hour or two hours, two and a half hours, give or take. And um, so yeah, let's let's talk about the game here. So brutal. The Huskies had three hundred and forty eight yards on offense, which was more than Cal. And I think Cal had 303 yards on offense. But the one thing about UW's offensive yards were they they were mainly in the middle of the field and they could not capitalize in the red zone. When they would get to the red zone, it kind of just seemed like that offense would just seize up and and just fucking die. And or there would be costly turnovers. Two huge turnovers for the Huskies. And, you know, Cal, they didn't miss a fucking beat. You know, the way that they were playing, they just... They were really, they were really grounded. They were really, they had composure. They weren't stressing out. They were, their clock management was right on point. Um, the Huskies' clock management was just absolute garbage. Oh, yeah, it was a was fucking like worse. Yelling. I haven't seen anything like that since the Seahawks in the playoffs game, or in a playoff game. So it's like, you know, you just wonder, fuck, you know, like how could the clock management be so bad, especially with coach, you know. Chris Peterson, and, and, and you just wonder, how did it all go wrong? And I think the one thing was is, is Cal decided to play the head game with UW, and this was a huge thing. Cal being the winner of last year's matchup with UW, they obviously have their bragging rights, and they have their ability to say, 
well, we won last time. We're going to fucking beat you again. And this time they actually did say that in a press conference. Their linebacker, who is an absolute stud. Um, I can't remember his, I can't remember his name, but if I do remember it in the show, I'll say it, but I can't remember. But he was doing their press conference and he said, we're going to go, you know, we had a sloppy week this week. We're going to regroup. We're going to go to Washington and beat the Huskies. Of course, Huskies fans were like, okay, well, tough, you know, tough luck yeah. coming here with the fans and shit. Especially at home, yeah. Especially here at home. And, but, you know, I think that that mentality got into the, into the heads of the, of the dogs players and, and it got into the head of the Huskies and just kind of like, it sort of fucked with them in a sense. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it's the psychological game that they had to play to actually have a, a better chance. Just because if you go into it thinking, we're going to Washington, they're a solid team at home, they're coming off of a big win against a shitty team, and the and Cal was coming off of a, you know, mere win off of a shitty team. So it's like, you know, the, the head game needed to be there. <laughs> The head head game. Head game. The head game for Cal oh was strong. God. So, it, <laughs> um, but my right. biggest concern is that the rain delay happened. Yeah, that was huge. And the Huskies were rolling. You know, they were looking good right up until they all got rushed off the field. Yeah. So my biggest concern with the game was, uh, you know, I don't know exactly what happened in the locker room, but I think that the Huskies went back into the locker room and they got a little bit too comfortable. And... Yeah. Um, I mean, believe me, I think Cal on the road, especially with the rain delay, mm-hmm. I think they went right back into that locker room and and they kept at it. They kept, you know, working and working and working and being mentally prepared to come back out onto the field. I think UW just kind of felt more comfortable because they weren't on the road. They were at home. They were in their own locker room. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they were more relaxed in their locker room and they were, you know, it's not a hostile environment for them like it is for Cal. But you know that Cal probably went back into their locker room and it was study, 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 and fix your mistakes, the small mistakes that they made in the first five minutes of the game. You can just tell that when they came back out into the field, UW was relaxed enough to put 10 points on the board in the, se- er, in the, you know, in the second quarter. Mm-hmm. And it looked like UW was going to sort of kind of run away with it at that point. But the, the whole, from the second quarter until, you know, from after that rain delay to the end of the game, Cal did not miss a single beat. Yeah. They were on they were on point 100% of the time. And if they did make a mistake, it was quickly fixed. So the one thing I'll have to say is is Cal came here and they played a really good game against a really good football team. So it, it was, it's good for Cal fans, but at the same time, Cal is most likely not going to go anywhere in the Pac-12, and the Huskies still have a chance. Seeing that Oregon went down in week one, granted they went down to a much better team being Auburn, but... Oh, yeah. You know, you never know where the season can go from here with anybody in the Pac-12, especially with USC coming here to Seattle with a backup quarterback. You just never really know how things are going to go in the Pac-12. But the, the the Huskies can go one of two ways from this Cal loss. And so one way that they would go is they regroup, they get regrounded, and they come back and they win big against Hawaii and then kind of roll through the rest of the Pac-12. Hawaii is not a matchup that anybody is thinking is going to be a serious, 
matchup or serious contender. So, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of the Ducks fans that that think it's a serious game or that think Huskies fans think it's a serious game. We don't give a shit. It's fun to go to the stadium when it's like ten bucks a ticket. They're not ranked right. And raise hell. Who Hawaii? Yeah. Fuck no. Okay, that's <laughs> no way. Say. I don't. I don't know. So. And so, UW with their crucial drops, not being able to convert on third downs and red zone turnovers, the biggest reason why they lost this football game, and, and the weather. And and Jake Eason's play was not incredible either it just it was not it wasn't what you would expect a you know a UW quarterback to go through especially since we've been dealing with you know Jake Browning for the last few years who is actually able to throw for a good amount of yards in a game obviously last year he wasn't able to against Cal but you know I figured Jake Eason would be different but um it just seems like Jake's have have a hard time with Cal. So, <laughs> so um, one huge thing I got to say about the Huskies game. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry. Before I go to that. But, the, yeah, the Huskies can go one or two ways. They regroup, they reground, they come back, and they roll through the Pac-12. Or they lose to shitty matchups like they did against Cal, and they kind of just piss away their season. I don't think that that's going to happen. I think they're going to – I think they're going to rally back. They're going to regroup. You've got Utah coming to Seattle. You've got USC coming to Seattle. You have Oregon coming to Seattle. It's, I mean, and Wazoo coming here as well. There should be no reason why the Huskies lose. There should be no reason why the Huskies lose any of those games, especially being home and having that crowd behind your back. They should be well ready to go. And I do think that the Huskies need to start rotating in some players on defense who were big names and big recruits, like Asa Turner. I didn't see a lot of Asa Turner in the game. I didn't see a lot of Trent McDuffie. It would be cool to see those guys get rotated into the game and, and watch them develop. And, you know, Chris Peterson does have a good development program here at UW, and that's why the defense usually takes, like, maybe one or two years to develop into a, a sound Washington defense. And so I'm not too worried about it. And so... The, the, the big takeaway from this game was the Huskies' kicking game. And Peyton Henry looked awesome out there. He made all of his field goals. He wasn't panicking. And he even hit a uh, he hit a 40, I believe it was a, uh, what was it? <laughs> it was a 47-yarder. 40, it was Jesus. a 40, or no, sorry, 49 yards. 49-yard field goal to put the Huskies up. And... Cal drove down the field and kicked a 17-yard field goal, <laughs> beat the Huskies at yeah, around 1.45 in the morning by one point. That was brutal. That was pretty fucking brutal. That so brutal. Jake Eason went 18 for 30 for 162 yards and one interception. Savon Ahmed went for 21 carries, 119 yards, and one touchdown, which is a good fucking game by him. Good running <laughs> from him, and it, it was fun to see. And Aaron Fuller, leading receiver... This is this is spooky, folks. Leading receiver, Aaron Fuller, three receptions, 40 yards. Not the way you want to not the way you want to end a game. Um so I mean that's just the Huskies game for you right there, you know, and college football still has so much left, and there's so many ways that 
the 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 rank twenty three Huskies can go, and so I'm not very. I was okay. I was fucking heartbroken, obviously, and I was, I was pissy and butt hurt. But <laughs> yeah. I, there's still a whole season in front of them. They can yeah. still get a good bowl game matchup to put Pac-12 on the map, and and that's all you know you can hope for, unless you know you have the chance at a national title. But good bowl game with a good matchup, and mm-hmm. actually winning that bowl game, huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out of fucking breath talking about the Huskies. Yeah. Um, so so let's move into the NFL. Start talking. Yeah. Start getting into some NFL. <sighs> so you have him on fantasy. So I don't know why you're huffing and puffing over there. Uh, NFL notable performances, from my opinion, oh, and I'm sure Lamar there's Jackson. more that I there. I'm sure there's more that I missed, but I'm only human, and I can only partake in so much football observations but the key ones that I had in my opinion you've got Lamar Jackson going 17 for 20 324 yards five touchdowns zero interceptions for a perfect quarterback rating of 158.3 yeah fuck that's a big that was a huge fantasy day if anybody started him and um I know you started him but your team still kind of sucks. No, it sucks. Yeah, but... It still sucks. At least you got Lamar Jackson, and at least he gave you around 40-some points, 50 mm, points, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Marquise Brown, four reception, another um, Ravens player. Um, Hollywood Marquise Brown, four receptions, 147 yards, two touchdowns. Listen to that. You know, four receptions, mm-hmm. 147 yards. Mm-hmm. Aaron Fuller had four or three receptions for 40 yards. Yeah. So, so think about the difference there. But then again, okay. I didn't That's even know just that me. Was like, That's just me being it. Um, I didn't know that was Antonio Brown's cousin. Marquise Brown? Yeah. I didn't know that until Sunday. Interesting. I didn't know that either. Really? Oh, no. yeah. That's his cousin. Well, I'll be damned. I didn't know that. Some, and Hopefully he's not such yeah. a wet blanket like Antonio Brown is. But <laughs> I guess we're just going to have to see. How that goes. Uh, This one was kind of a a shot in the dark, in my opinion. But this is actually a quarterback that I believe is in a terrible system, in a terrible franchise, and should actually be uh, traded to a different franchise so that he's not dead by 30 years old. Uh, Marcus Mariota, 14 for 24, 248 yards, three touchdowns. And he was going against Baker Mayfield, who threw three interceptions. I so, not a good showing for Mayfield and the Browns. But for Mariota to go down, you know, to go to Cleveland with a team that just kind of really isn't all there. Mm-hmm. You know, that when you think of the Titans, I can't really think of anybody else other than, you know, Mariota, Mariota and Derrick Henry. And especially on offense. It, you it. know, on offense, yeah, Delaney Walker, Mariota. Derrick Henry, that's like their offense. It's yeah, all I can think it. of on their offense because their receivers are just kind of, you know, they drop the ball. And last year, Tennessee's receivers were, they were known to be just dropping fucking everything. Didn't they have Rashard Matthews? I, I, don't, I don't fucking know. I think. We're going to have to call our lifeline Derek on that one. Yeah. He'll, he'll let us know on, on who's Mariota's receivers. Who's but. Matthews? Um, 
Patrick Mahomes, 25 for 33, uh, 378 yards, fucking good, and mm-hmm. three touchdowns. And then another chief to throw in there yep. is Sammy Watkins. Nine, rece- listen to this, nine receptions, 198 yards, and three touchdowns. I mean, what a time for Sammy Watkins to have the game of his career. And I think it's good because it's finally good to see Sammy Watkins play with a quarterback who's able to target him down the field and play for an offense that's set up for wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Obviously, with Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill leaving the game early because of an injury. Why do you just keep saying yeah? Because he scored me two points in fantasy before he got injured. And so... Lame. So, yeah, Tyreek Hill getting injured and, and leaving the game allowed Sammy Watkins to even have an even bigger game than he was already having. And so it was just uh, – it's nice to see Sammy Watkins getting the – getting the uh, – the sorry, I'm blanking out here. The, the targets that he deserves. And if you're looking for – if you're looking for the Thursday night football game that starts – just about right now, you're going to want to look at NFL Network and or Amazon Prime because they stream it. Um, that being said, because Haley's looking for the game Sorry, right now as we talk. Don't mind it's distracting. me. Um, I'm trying to find the game. So let's, uh, yeah, let's think about, let's think about this here. Um, here's a noticeable one that I really didn't expect to have any part of this list that I had. Uh, Andy Dalton, no, no, 35 God, no. for 51, 418 <sighs> yards and two touchdowns, one fumble on the road here in Seattle. That is a, that's a phenomenal stat to have here, you know, especially against the Seahawks. Yeah, especially against the Seahawks. And this defense was, you know, was promised to have a good backfield. But I think the biggest part that was, that was, you know, Stopping the backfield was, uh, or not stopping the backfield, sorry, but like keeping the backfield not as organized was Tedrick Thompson. I think Tedrick Thompson yeah. missed a lot of plays that were that were pretty easily, you could tackle somebody and or you could intercept the ball. He had that one play where, you know, he totally dropped the ball. We'll get into that in a little bit more. Uh, just, yeah, I was going to say, do me a favor and stop doing that. It's distracting as fuck. Really? Yes. Um, I'm trying to just find it. I can't find it. So, coming back into it, um, John Ross III, seven receptions, 158 yards, two touchdowns. Huge game for John Ross, especially being his first game back in Seattle since he was a Husky. And uh, it was good for him to ball out the way that he did and get the touchdowns, you know, the two touchdowns, 158 yards, good for him. I'm glad that he was able to come back home and have a good showing, kind of like how Dante Pettis did, where oh, they wow. both came back, had good games, but mm-hmm. still took a loss home with their other teams. So <laughs> with the 49ers, Pettis took home a loss, and with the Bengals, John Ross had a huge game, but he also mm-hmm. took home a loss. So that's sucks that they lost, but it's good that they lost because they played the Seahawks. So... Yeah. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, eight receptions, 111 yards, and two touchdowns. Yes. And I think if anybody saw that game, a- anybody watched that Monday night game, so good. 
with the Houston Texans and New Orleans Saints. What a fucking way to start off Monday Night Football. Um, next week you have the Jets and the Browns, which... Sam Darnold's out. Sam Darnold's out with fucking mono because he probably shared a drink with somebody yeah. and <laughs> led him to that bullshit. So speaking of the same game that DeAndre Hopkins and, you know, balling out, hmm. Drew Brees. Oh, yeah. And big... Big dick energy, Will Lutz. Yeah. Huge big dick energy. Uh, <laughs> coming in with that 58-yard clutch field goal to end the game against the yeah. Texans. And what a awesome matchup that was. And, you know, um, God, I'm blanking on his on his name. Uh, quarterback for the Texans. Why am I blaming? Yes, Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson. He is a great player. He's an awesome player to watch. It's fun to watch him play football. And, you know, I think once they actually do give him the cover that he needs, the protection is what he's missing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you give Deshaun Watson good protection, he could be a, he could be a real, real threat to the NFL. And he already is, without the protection that he has. You know, last year he was sacked the most in the league. This year he's most likely going to be the most sacked in the league again. (laughs) And, you know, I just hope that it doesn't cause any injuries towards him. But what a... Yeah, that was such a good game. What a fun game. What a phenomenal way to start Monday Night Football. And then, you know, we had the end of the night with the snore fest of... Broncos and Raiders. Yes. Yawn. (laughs) God. Bronco, the Broncos are bringing back a new offense from 1950s of (laughs) checkdowns, five-yard checkdowns, and expect to win a football game. Uh, It's not going to work. Their offense looks like shit. Um, I think, you know, they should allow the ball to go, you know, obviously go down the field instead of just having... uh, Philip Lindsay? No, is that it? Well, Philip Lindsay is... I mean, Philip Lindsay's a good running back, but I think if you screen pass it and check down to him every play, it's just not going to work. Oh, and then, yeah. you know, if you don't let Sanders go down the field and try to catch deep balls, it's just not going to work. And, you know, they have uh, – God, I'm for just blanking out on all these fucking names. Flacco. Uh, yes, oh, Flacco. Okay, yeah. Thank you. Flacco. They've got Flacco, who isn't the best quarterback in the league, but he can obviously throw a fucking football. Everybody knows yeah. that he can throw down the field – why not try to get the talent around him to – you have a, a quarterback who was once a franchise quarterback with Baltimore and won them a Super Bowl. And, of course, the defense that he had there in Baltimore was a huge help. You know, but he also – you know, you have to perform on offense to win Super Bowls. I mean, you just can't have the defense go out there. They're not going to score your fucking points for you. Yeah. And that was a good Super Bowl, too, the – Super Bowl against the 49ers was an awesome Super Bowl to watch. And it's always fun to watch the 49ers lose. So I'll take that game, you know. That's when the lights went out, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was the halftime show that fucking Destiny's Child came out, and then right afterwards the lights went out or some shit. Um, So, I mean, I would have to say this, that the NFL started off on a big big note this year and I think week one was a lot of fun I think there's a lot of good matchups obviously 
I don't know if I'm gonna if I'm gonna trust Lamar Jackson in that offense playing any other team besides Miami. We're gonna have to wait and yeah. see. But they did look really good and they do look extremely promising. Yeah. And and you know, you hope for the best for a quarterback like Lamar Jackson who's been doubted because he's been called a running back. And which he actually said in his press conference, he said, you know, my performance wasn't bad for a running back. So, you know, I do wish him the best and I hope that he does have a good season. He does have, you know, the he does have the weapons around him that he needs. You know, with Willie Sneed being a not a elite receiver, but still being a a decent threat, you know. And then he's got, you know, Antonio Brown's cousin, Marquise Hollywood Brown. And so, you know, Good luck for that team. They got to come to Seattle and play the Seahawks, and I think that's going to be a, a fun matchup, especially with Earl Thomas yeah, returning back, home. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to call it now on this episode. I think he picks Russell Wilson off two times, Rip. and gives some shit to the Seahawks bench. It's only, the, I mean, it, it's it's just there's no other way for him to come to Seattle and have that not happen. That's that's going to happen. Unless he gets injured, he is going to come to Seattle. He's going to pick Russell off twice down the field, and he's going to flip some shit on the bench. And so, but I still have the Seahawks winning that game by three points. So, I guess we'll have to find out because I had, I mean, obviously I had the Seahawks beating the Bengals. <laughs> I had a 21-point spread yeah, on the Seahawks bad. to beat them. I didn't think they were going to win. 21 to fucking yeah. 20. So at least they scored 21 points. Yeah, and at least I had won. that. Still won. And they still won. They still won. You got to love it. You know, three touchdowns, no field goals. Totally down with that. You know. Oh, really? I mean, yeah. having field goals is good and all, but it's not going to win you the game. Look at, Cinci- at look at Cincinnati. No, they didn't score field oh. goals. 21. Jeez. So you've got... Let's, let's get into this Bengals game. All right. I'm going to get a little more serious here. Oh, yeah. Ah, I'm going to turn serious. Get a little more serious about this game here. You ready? I got, sure. my, I got my serious pants on. <laughs> Your serious sweatpants on. So, Seahawks versus Bengals. Who shined the most on offense for the Seahawks? DK Metcalf. Oh, binky. The rookie. Yep, him and his binky he had to go baby binky, on. Yeah. <laughs> he was wearing a binky and... You know, he led the Seahawks, he he led the Seahawks receivers in week 1 with four receptions and 89 yards, wow. which was, you know, for a rookie, that's great. You know, I love to see that and I think that just seeing him out there on the field in real time, not in the preseason, it's just the his size and his speed is just unbelievable and you know, that he drew a couple of penalties because he had to be held a couple of times, he had to be pushed out of the way a few times so it, it yeah, he's, Thanos. he's drawing penalties he's catching the ball he's doing his fucking job and I love it I, I love to see it I think he's awesome and I give you know given that he stays healthy I think that DK Metcalf is going to morph into a solid solid deep threat for the Seahawks yeah. and uh so with DK Metcalf balling out it opened up Tyler Lockett to um Catch a Russell Wilson bomb for a touchdown for 44 yards. I thought that was an awesome. But the thing about Lockett hmm. was when the Seahawks were driving down the field to kind of sort of put the game out of reach for the Bengals, mm-hmm. 
Tyler Lockett had a un, like somebody wrote me and said you know somebody said this too, he had an uncharacteristic drop. Yeah, he was wide open. Yeah, shouldn't have dropped. The ball it, yeah. was perfectly placed, and it went right through yeah. his arms. I I, I just hadn't that. seen that, and you know. As the announcer said, it does hurt their perfect rating down the field. Mm-hmm. But who gives a fuck? They still won the game. So I don't give a shit about Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett's deep threat rating. <laughs> uh, as long as he catches it for the touchdown, which he did for 44 yards, and it looked good. Um, but, yeah, very rare drop pass. Yeah, I can't weird. remember the last time he's dropped a, I don't think he's ever, like, a wide open yeah. pass. Like, there are times where Something he's like dropped some when he's notice. heavily defended, but... God damn, that wasn't, yeah. Yeah, that was brutal. Weird. Especially him being wide open, too. It was spooky. I don't expect to see that well, yeah, again. Tyler Lockett. Uh, Chris Carson, with one run, to, uh, one rushing touchdown, one reception touchdown, and one fumble. I thought Chris Carson had a good game. He looked good. I wanted to see a little bit more Penny. They didn't alternate uh, them. They didn't alternate them as much as they promised that they would in the, you know, in the offseason and, and saying that they're going to have a one-two punch. There was no, there was no, like, nothing different with the run yeah. game this year. It's the same fucking run game, and I think that's why it struggled so much mm-hmm. in the beginning of the game because the offensive line looked like shit, allowing five sacks on Russell. And, you know, they're going to bounce back. The offensive line is not going to stay like that forever. They'll, they'll bounce back. It is the first week of football, so I'm not taking this game for the Seahawks to – drastically in terms of players not performming well. Yeah, Fetty still sucks, but okay. I mean, Fetty doesn't suck. It's Fetty just he's does. he's undisciplined, which he is his problem. Suck. So he gets false starts. He gets, like you know, every unnecessary game, roughness. Though. I did think it was really interesting to see on that Carson touchdown, Russell Wilson rushing over and jumping That's on top hilarious. of Fetty and telling him, like, you know, like, to stop fucking around. I, I love that. I love that Russell was actually able to see that because they would have taken that touchdown off the board and that would have fucking sucked. And that would have, you know, that would have drew a lot of problems for Efeti. So I think Efeti should buy Russell Wilson some fucking dinner or a fucking Xbox or something for that one. He just needs to go. That's all. Uh, On defense, on the defensive line, Quentin Jefferson was the star player this week for that Seahawks defensive line. And he was so disruptive and it was awesome to watch him have such a terrific game. He um, he had two solo tackles. He had two uh, tackles for loss. He had two sacks, three quarterback hits, and two pass deflections. And um, awesome to watch. And, and, you know, we were talking about Quentin Jefferson at the bar the other night. He was a force all last year, too. He's just a very, you know, as Kobe said, he's a very under-the-radar kind of player. And it's true. It's very true. He's, you know, when it comes to that Seahawks D-line, you know, you're thinking of, now you're thinking Jadavian. You know, you're thinking Mm -hmm. of Jaron Reed, who's going to come back in five weeks. You've got um, Al Woods. You've got Puna. 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 (laughs) <laughs> and and you know they just look awesome and Quentin Je- and Rasheem Green they have a oh, really yeah. really good defensive line and I think that f- for somebody to say that this defensive line was struggling in depth you're fucking retarded dude look at these players they're they fucking they rule all of these guys kick ass and Al Woods speaking of Al Woods had a fumble recovery that looked like an interception but it was a fumble from the the red pencils. Um, 
arm. Well, like his arm. Th- it was like a Andy Dalton. Yeah. Well, yeah, Andy Dalton. But it was uh, the way he threw the ball looked like an interception, but they counted it as a fumble. So it's not a pick. It's a fumble, folks. Yeah. Uh, Trey Flowers rocking his new number 21 oh, out yeah. there on the field was awesome to see. And seeing that he was mainly on John Ross, yikes. But yeah. to, to his defense, he had uh, nine tackles and one pass deflection. He also had another pass deflection that was taken away because of pass interference. Mm-hmm. But, eh. Ugh. <laughs> I can see why they called it a pass interference, but if you're going to call that a pass interference, then Andy Dalton's fumble at the end of the game was a fumble. Uh, fuck you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, let me just move what, my um, ass here. Um, did you see what Pete Carroll said? Like, about, like, CJ Prosize? Oh, like, he wanted to use him, like, week one. Yeah. Good. You, you fucking sure did. <laughs> You like fucking you, barely like, even use Penny. I I mean Yeah, like I uh, saw it today. He said he said that he wanted to use CJ Pro size week one. It's like I mean you have three running backs that you can alternate, but they only go through Carson. Yeah. I love Carson and I think he's awesome, you know, he's an awesome running back. He's awesome to watch. You have three fucking running backs. All three of them are dynamic. Well you've you've got three main ones with you've got Carson Penny and Prosize. You also have Travis Homer, but he's not a part of that offense yet. Most right. likely not until later in the year if somebody gets hurt, maybe Prosize, right. who always gets fucking hurt. Anywho, you have a dynamic backfield, and you're not going to use it. You're not going to use it as a dynamic backfield. Yeah. You've got Carson is not a receiving back. In my, you know, he's just he's not a receiving back. He's a power back. Granted, he did have a receiving touchdown, but come on. You can't call him a receiving back just because he has a touchdown from Russell Wilson throwing throwing him the football. But, you know, you have Penny, who's good as a receiving back. You have Procise, who's good as a receiving back. And and Procise, as injury-prone as he is and as as much as I don't really believe in him being a good fit for this offense, he's super elusive and he's quick. So why not use him more? Why not use the backfield a little bit more? They, I don't want to get into it with the fucking offense too much. They <laughs> won the goddamn game, so I'm not going to bitch too much about it. Um, Jay Davey and Clowney. Yay. His debut for the Seattle Seahawks gave him one sack, one tackle for loss, and one pass deflection. I love it. I fucking love it. The way he yeah. chased down Andy Dalton and drug him to the ground. I love to see it. I love to see... Clowny in a Seahawks uniform. I just mm-hmm. God, I fucking love it. It looks awesome. And, you know, I'm happy that he's here. I'm happy that he's happy to be here in Seattle. Obviously, with Miami offering him mm-hmm. a better deal than both the Eagles and the Seahawks, he wants to win a championship. He believes that Seattle is going to be his team. I love to see it. Well, yeah, he denied the Miami trade because of Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck wants to go to Miami? One, Miami's a shithole enough as it is, and I'd never want to go there in general, let alone if I was a football player and had a chance to go to a Super Bowl caliber caliber team. (laughs) I would avoid Miami even harder. I, you know, it's just like I said, fuck Miami. 
Fuck everything about them. Yeah. They're fans. The Heat. You know, the Dolphins. <laughs> so they get blown out at home by Lamar Jackson and company. And in the locker room, uh, a lot of the players on that Miami roster contacted their so agent funny. and told him that they want out of Miami. So funny. Uh, Josh Rosen's Miami debut had him three yards and one interception. So a good game. Uh, chosen Rosen, good game. Anyway, moving on from that, Fitzpatrick didn't have a good game either. So there was it's no Fitz magic there this year. Yep. And I think with – God damn, Miami's so – so terrible. Brutal. Just yeah. do yourself a favor and go on YouTube and watch the NFL highlights of Baltimore yeah. versus so bad. Uh, Miami, or yeah, Miami Dolphins. Oh my God, what a drag! But another game that was really good on Sunday that that's not as talked about was the Colts versus the Chargers in LA. That was a fun game to watch. It went into overtime. The Colts almost colted it, but. They won the game. Oh. Uh, yeah, and, and I think, uh, you know, I think Melvin Gordon is going to sit out until week six, until he's forced to come back into the league. And we'll see how it goes from there. But I can't believe he hasn't been picked up yet. What, Melvin Gordon? Yeah. Well, well, did you see the thing about the Eagles? Oh, fuck. What happened? You haven't seen anything yet about Melvin Gordon? No. Oh, really? Did they pursue him? Yeah, so they... I forgot what they offered, but I guess apparently it was sucky for, like, him. But they, like, offered, like, a couple of draft picks, and then they offered uh, Jordan Howard, and, like, the Chargers, like, just automatically declined it. Fuck. But they were, like, the only team that, like... Pursued it? Yeah. Hmm. But yeah, they offered offer yeah. I think they offered like two draft picks in Jordan Howard, and immediately got declined. What's former Husky, that? former Husky player, going back to the Seahawks Bengals, former Husky player Ben Burr Kirvin, one of my favorites on the on the Seahawks and on the Huskies, yes. uh, came away with one strip tackle on a punt return. So he caused one fumble. Awesome for him. Can't wait to watch him become part of this Seahawks defense. Yeah, it should be fun, especially with this whole yeah. Michael Kendricks case coming up. I really hope that Michael Kendricks doesn't go to the big house. Um, I don't. I honestly don't think he will. But the Seahawks do get until almost the very end of September with him until he goes to trial. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes from there. But Cody Barton is most likely going to be the player stepping into his position, and I'm excited about that. I think Cody Barton is ready to play in the NFL. The way that he played in the preseason was really good. And he just looks ready in this system, and they have him in a good place. I can't wait to watch him play. If he does, you know, if Michael Kendricks goes to the big house and, you know, is eating his packet of cornflakes with one packet of sweet, <laughs> I would only hope that <laughs> Cody Barton fucking takes his spot. Um, so they have a lot of work to do in the secondary. Obviously, I talked about Tedrick Thompson and Trey Flowers kind of struggling yeah. uh, to keep John Ross in check. Uh, Tedrick Thompson jumping early on that deep ball to John Ross, allowing him to score the touchdown, was one of the more frustrating things to watch. And I do think that with this competitive team at the Seahawks, 
Tedrick Thompson doesn't have much room to fuck around, especially in that position mm-hmm. with Marquise Blair waiting to come into the game. And, and, you know, we've seen what Marquise Blair can do when he hits people. He jars the ball loose. He hits hard. He draws some penalties because of how he hits. But it's very Cam Chancellor-like the way he plays. Yeah. You obviously can't call him Cam Chancellor yet, but the way that he is fast to the ball out there, the way that he just annihilates people on offense, and he's waiting for that. He's waiting for that for Tedrick Thompson to fuck up so that he can go out there and yeah. get his chance to start. I don't want to see him start because of an injury. I'd rather see him start because Tedrick Thompson needs time on the bench. Yeah. I don't want to see Tedrick Thompson go down with a, a gruesome injury or with any injury because I do think that they need the depth out there as much as possible. And I do think that if Marquise Blair goes out there, it'd be a good trade-off between him and Thompson. But we have to see. It's like I said, it's week one, and they're going against a brand-new Bengals team. Mm-hmm. You know, It's kind of just like... Uh, you know, when we were talking at the table at the bar the other day, Drew did point out a really good point that this team, this Bengals team, has finally drawn plays for their speedy wide receiver, which is John Ross. Mm-hmm. They had, you know, when and when I watched the game back over and over and over, you can see exactly what he's saying. This offense was designed for John Ross. They had some yeah. flea flickers that were that were used during his time at Washington that allowed him to get past. And, you know, they just allowed him to go deep and they allowed him to just run down the field. And it, it, it looked just like how John Ross was here at Washington. It was, it was a good sight to see. I love to see that John Ross is, is having the way, having his way now, you know, mm-hmm. especially with Marvin Lewis. I think Marvin Lewis is a dumb piece of shit yeah. who doesn't know how to develop players. And he takes seniority in over skills and doesn't allow players to to grow and develop in his system and I think that that's why the Bengals have been an embarrassing laughing stock in the NFL Mm -hmm. for as long as they have just because you know you don't give anybody a fucking chance you just let everybody play because of seniority it's you're not gonna fucking get anything and uh Joe Mixon again not a threat that I was worried about I, I feel like a lot of Seahawks fans were telling me about Joe Mixon and saying the one thing that the Seahawks have to worry about is Joe Mixon no, you don't. The guy can't stay healthy. <laughs> he just, even when he was playing against the Seahawks before he got hurt like he usually does, he was not playing the way that you would expect a, in quotations, elite running back. He is not an elite running back, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in that weak division of his, there's, he's not, he is not, you know, where you would want to be in terms of, on the bubble of elite running back and just regular ass running back. Uh, But, you know, if he was not so injury prone, I feel like Joe Mixon would have a better career, but the guy has been sidelined so much because of his injuries. It just seems like they're weighing him down and they're impacting his play, which sucks. It sucks to see. And, you know, but that's what separates you from being elite and being, you know, just a, regular old running back in the system, you know. Mm-hmm. And Giovanni Bernard couldn't get a run game going. I think he had about 25 yards. Seahawks did a good job at flooding that run lane and getting to the quarterback. And so a couple of players um, for the Bengals that are just outstanding players is Sam, uh, Sam Hubbard and Carlos Dunlap. 
They were, you know, they were a true force for the Bengals front line. And, you know, Sam had 10 total tackles, six solos, two sacks, two tackles for loss, and four quarterback hits. Huge. And uh, Carlos Dunlap had four solo tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss. Uh, Dre Kirkpatrick on the Bengals defense was the only other player to sack Russell Wilson. And, you know, I do think that the Seahawks will continue to grow. I think that the Bengals have already lost their season because they did, they finally have, they finally have game footage for other teams to watch. And I do think that that's why the Seahawks gave up so many yards. Kind of like what Bobby Wagner said in his press conference that playing a new team with a new coach and a new offensive coordinator and a new offensive style, it's hard for them to have any idea on how they're going to play because they have never seen this offense play, especially with the preseason. These teams don't play their real offense. So, you you know, going into week one with a whole fresh new mentality on that Bengals team, I'm actually really happy that the Seahawks defense were able to rally it up and do do their job and not allow them to score touchdowns as much as, you know, obviously only scoring two touchdowns was huge, but not allowing the Bengals to score three and tie up the Seahawks or let them go down the field with no time and score a touchdown. You know, I think the Seahawks did their job and it looked really good. Um, so obviously the Seahawks head to Pittsburgh this Sunday to play the Steelers who just came off a super embarrassing loss to the Patriots. <laughs> And oh my god! Like just watching that game that was, was just a, so funny. It was a fucking slaughterhouse. Yeah. I mean the 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 Patriots are the Patriots, and you know, you know, even with the Patriots being considered like one of the best teams in the league, the the Steelers' offense was just fucking dreadful. It was probably one of the worst offensive showings I've seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Juju Smith was not able to get going. James Conner wasn't able to get anything going. Three mm. points and then getting blown out by 30 fucking points without the Patriots having Antonio Brown in their lineup. They're going to be, you know, the Patriots are going to be a a force to be reckoned with in the AFC, especially with the Chiefs. I think it's going to be a good, another great matchup with the Chiefs and the, and the Patriots. It come, you know, in playoff time, it's going to be huge. It's going to be interesting to see the AFC go the way it does. And um, I could see the Chargers being thrown into the mix, too. I see the Chargers yeah. being a late-strive good team, especially if they do decide to pay Melvin Gordon and get him back in there and uh-huh. and allow him to be their star running back. I think that they could be really special. Yeah. I, think, I like Phillip Rivers as a quarterback, and I like how he's able to win the game and – I'm just also not a fan of how much that defense can blow games for Phillip Rivers. Mm-hmm. He's the only pl- quarterback that can throw for 500 yards in a game and still lose by three points in overtime. Yeah. So uh, so I think if the Seahawks eliminate Juju Smith and James Conner out of the equation, Big Ben is going to struggle to get any points on the board and will end up taking another beat down from a strong D-line like the Seahawks. Uh, I also expect the Seahawks to look for DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett down deep, and have John Ursua. This is see, this is the name I'm throwing in there, especially for this. You know, if they want to show new looks, if the Seahawks want to be dynamic in their offense, I'm expecting John Ursua to come into this game, into the slot position, and be another weapon for Russell Wilson to dump the ball off to. 
Also, I expect Penny to be more involved in the backfield this weekend, mm-hmm. as well as CJ Procise. I think that the Seahawks are going to pull no no stops against Pittsburgh Steelers. But then again, the Seahawks can get very one dimensional with their offense, and it costs them costs them easy wins like Pittsburgh, or it costs them road wins. You know, and so. Moving on from the Seahawks, I think we've talked about them a pretty good deal. Let's talk about some other noticeable defenses on Sunday or or Sunday and Thursday because you're going to hear this one with the Bears defense holding Rodgers to um, 18 for 30, 203 yards and a touchdown, delivering five sacks and nine tackles for loss. Uh, Chicago lost that game 10-3 to because of Chicago's inability to get anything going on offense. And that also kind of ties the Bears defense and the Packers defense into my into my notice, notable defense uh, category here. They're, they're both in it together because mm-hmm. they both had a pretty good defensive showing. But I do believe in the Bears defense. I don't believe in the Packers defense. Uh, they The Packers defense uh, had Trubisky thrown for 200 yards, but they weren't able to capitalize in the end zone. And... They held their run game to 46 yards, and they got five sacks. So I do think that they looked good during that game, and I think that's because Chicago's a very terrible one-dimensional offense who is like uh, Denver is right now. They looked very similar, and it's just like I don't believe in that. If they're going to be – a Super Bowl contender, they're they're gonna have to put more than three points on the fucking board yeah. and get that defense off the field as much as possible. And so moving on, we've got the Vikings defense. You've got four sacks, seven tackles for loss, eight pass deflections, seven QB hits, two interceptions. It's a big showing. Uh and then this one is actually a surprise defense, in my opinion. I did not expect them to have this kind of game uh, was the first one in my surprise category is the Jets. The really? Jets defense had a good game until C.J. Mosley left the field. That's why I didn't really write much about them, but their defense was a little bit more promising than expected, but then again, they did crumble and allow the Bills to come back from 16 points down and win the game. So the Bills took that one. And their defense just kind of fell out of my noticeable category by a cunt hair. So <laughs> then you've got the 49ers defense. But here's the thing about the 49ers defense as to why I'm not so fully sold on them, but they yeah. still deserve recognition for this game. I'm not sold on the 49ers defense because, I mean, let's fucking face it. Jameis Winston is a terrible quarterback in the NFL, and... Tampa Bay fucking sucks. Yeah. So, the and, and their defense, you know, they they got a they got a couple or they've got a pick on Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Jimmy Garoppolo only had hundred and sixty some yards on on offense. Nice. Not the showing you want to have yeah. after being you know promised to be the fucking second coming of Jesus Christ himself. But <laughs> uh, 49ers defense. Three sacks, six tackles, six tackle for losses, nine pass deflections, one fumble recovery, three interceptions, two of them being pick sixes. Richard Sherman with a 31-yard touchdown and Aikilo Witherspoon with a 25-yard touchdown 
Uh, Nick Bosa, in his rookie debut with the 49ers, racked up uh, one sack and 1.5 tackles for losses, and he shows a lot of promise. He's obviously a Bosa brother, and the Bosa brothers are no fucking joke when it comes to football. Um, You know, Joey Bosa was hyped up as much as he was and then obviously held out from his rookie contract, which is a surprise, but the second you got him on that field, he made an impact on that defense, especially with him and, and uh, the other Melvin, um, Melvin Ingram. Having, you know, having Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa on that Chargers defense of line is, is huge, and it obviously impacted the Seahawks when they played here last year. Uh, it's, it just seemed like you know Melvin Ingram was able to just weasel his way to Russell Wilson every fucking play is just truly disgusting. Um, so fantasy love and hates really quick. Got a couple of love and hates. I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna trust Lamar Jackson or Marquise Brown to have the same week that they did. Not gonna say that they're gonna have a bad week. It's against Arizona. He's against Arizona this week. That's like an obvious like stardom. Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. But do you think he's gonna put up fifty points? I don't think he's gonna put up fifty points. I mean, points. he'll still put up something. Obviously, I'm, I'm giving Arizona him. I'm giving him a regular quarterback. Yeah. I'm giving him a re- regular quarterback numbers, but I'm expecting uh, Mark Ingram to be the big factor in that game against yeah. Arizona. I think he's gonna run all over him. And I think it's going to look good. Um, another player that I'm hesitant on is um, Michael Thomas against the Rams, against the Rams defense. Ooh. But Marcus Peters obviously allowed Michael Thomas to ball out last season. So I'm actually going to go with, well, I mean, I'm going to yeah, say start Brown or start. Um, out there. Yeah, start Thomas. He's got a great quarterback. And, you know, LA's defense was they were looking a little iffy there against uh Cam Newton and company and barely weaseled their way out of that game. Yeah. And so speaking of the speaking of the NFC West, the Rams and the Seahawks and the Cardinals, not a single team in the NFC West, in the NFC West lost on Sunday. Oh man. Um Rams took away a win, Seahawks won. 49ers won, and obviously at the bottom of the division, the Cardinals tied the game in what was a laughing stock of <laughs> of the uh, Detroit Lions. I don't know if anybody saw the game, but especially any Seahawks fans. I don't know if any Seahawks fans saw that game, but uh, the biggest reason why uh, Detroit didn't come away with that win was because Daryl Bevel called a costly timeout without telling anybody on a first down that would have sealed the deal for uh Detroit Lions he called the timeout and they didn't convert and it ended up being a tie in overtime disgusting Daryl Bevel you disgust me buddy and uh good luck with fat Patricia over there in Detroit I think they're going to be a laughing stock again which sucks but uh, a couple other fantasy players I would say I would say if you have um you know, I'm just kind of browsing about. I didn't really focus too much on fantasy because I was just doing all these other ones. Uh, you've got Jimmy Garoppolo going against Cincinnati. I don't like that. You've got Andy Dalton going against San Francisco. Again, don't like it. Um, 
so other than that, I don't know, Haley, do you have anybody that you think would be well, worth a start even, or worth a sit? I don't even want to um, I, I mean, I think if you have... I think if you have Mike Evans on Tampa Bay starting tonight, I don't think I would trust that. Jameis Winston is incapable of being a good quarterback. We'll see what happens. But I think what we're going to do is I think we're... Vikings defense against Green Bay, maybe. It could be interesting. It's a divisional game. But I think what we're going to do here, folks, is I think we're going to wrap it up for the day. It's been so nice to come back and talk about football and babe, I really do thank you for joining on and, and allowing me to talk to somebody that's not the fucking drywall. So much appreciated. <laughs> and so with that being said, I love you guys and we'll see you on the beefy boys. And of course you'll see us here on the CSB. We'll be back next week for another round of sports. And I hope that this weekend suits your team's fancies. And I hope all your teams win unless they are going against the Seahawks. Then, uh, that sucks. Anyway, <laughs> I can't root for them to go against the Seahawks, and I hope that the Huskies beat Hawaii. So here we go. Everybody have a great have a great weekend. It's been great to be back. Thank you. Go Hawks.